Hello and welcome to this episode of Triggered and True, featuring renowned emotional health consultant, Laura Duncan. Thank you for being here and thank you for investing the time to learn how to take care of your soul. If this podcast sparks any questions, feel free to submit a question by going to triggeredandtrue.com, scrolling to the bottom of the page and clicking ask. If you would like to learn more about Laura Duncan, we encourage you to follow Laura on Instagram and Facebook. Also, a great resource for you to consider is the Compassion Method Master Course. This course is a deep dive into Laura's life work, the Compassion Method. The Compassion Method is a process that empowers you to learn to see and comfort your internal pain and to discover your true self, your true self, that beautiful, wonderful part of you that has been there all along, but has simply been covered up. To obtain the Master Course, go to CompassionMethod.net and as a podcast listener, you qualify for a $50 discount that can be obtained by typing in the coupon code PODCAST50. Again, that's CompassionMethod.net, coupon code PODCAST50. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to our inaugural episode of the Triggered and True Podcast, where we will be discussing emotional health. And this first podcast marks the beginning of a journey where we will be going through a process of discovery and it's going to be a lot of fun. So before I go any further, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Brian Freisey and I will serve as the moderator and also as a case study and guinea pig for Laura Duncan, who is uh, sitting across from me, or I should say across the country from me. And she is a renowned emotional health consultant living in Redding, California. So hello, Laura. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Yeah. All right. So why don't we start off by you just sharing a little bit about yourself, and then we'll talk a little bit more about how you got into doing what you do. I've been doing um, this type of work for about seven years now. I am a single mom of four kids. Um, unfortunately, my husband passed away 10 years ago, and I figure I'd just open up by sharing that information, even though we'll probably get more into it later on in some other episodes, but um, that's part of my life story. Um, I have gone on quite the journey with this because even though I've been working with people for the last seven years, um, it's been obviously an ongoing journey for many more years than that. Well, that's a little bit of Laura's background. My background, I met Laura about two years ago. I've been a client. I'm not a patient and we'll get into what Laura does and why I'm not called a patient here in a little bit. I've been a client for two years and uh, I'm really excited to be able to bring so much of what I've learned um, to other people through this podcast and get more exposure to some of the things that Laura does and what she teaches. So I would like for you, Laura, to first start off by explaining a little bit the name, Triggered and True. What does that mean yeah. and where are we going with this? So with anything, when you're about to start something that, um, like Brian was saying, this is definitely going to be a journey and you want to have a name that reflects the journey you're going on. I've gone through this process. There's been different highlights over the years of things that have been the stronger emphasis. You know, as something develops, you start out with one thing being the emphasis and then it continues to grow. So my original emphasis with doing the process was shame. And so a lot of, of the titles that I would use for things would be more like shame or um, blame or trigger, and it would be kind of like the center of it. But what I've kind of discovered along the way, not kind of, what, what I have discovered along the way is that really the whole goal of all this is to connect with our true self and 
But in order to connect with your true self, you have to walk through your trigger. So when we were coming up with a name, I wanted to have a name that reflected not just the process of your trigger, but also leading you to kind of the end goal in this whole in this whole journey. And the end goal is your true self. So triggered and true is just a simple kind of rhymey way. seems like it would actually like stand out to emphasize both the triggered self and the true self that we'll be walking through through this process. And we are calling this a compassion method workshop or podcast, I should say. Can you explain a little bit about the compassion method? So it's an interesting conversation piece when people always ask you, what do you do? And then trying to explain it. But I think I've kind of got it into a nutshell that I can explain it quite easily. So um, because I'm not a licensed therapist or counselor or psychologist, I really emphasize that to people because that's not what I do. Um, And so a lot of times people will jump straight to, oh, then you're a life coach. If you're not a counselor, then you're a life coach. But I'm also not a life coach because a life coach is process. I know it can vary from person to person, but what a life coach is, is they're going to kind of hold your hand and they're going to kind of coach you, encourage you through the process. And it's not that I don't want to encourage people through the process, but what I'm doing is what I call a life consultant, which means that I'm consulting people's lives like a business consultant would consult a business. So I come in and meet with people and be able to see how their system works and find out the areas that their system's not working and help them be able to get their system to be able to work as as I'm a facilitator to that process. So it's a lot more independent where people are responsible more for their own process and they're working through through homework and practical approach to be able to um, figure out what their life needs to look like. And I really personally enjoy that because the more you do for someone, the more dependent they are on you. And so a lot of people are dependent on counselors and coaches because they feel like if they talk to them, they're going to help them get to where they need to go. But my goal is almost like this process, the compassion method and this process is like riding a bike where like you are going to learn how to ride the bike for yourself. And eventually you can ride the bike on your own and you don't need my help to ride the bike. Yeah, I think that's a great point. When I left our sessions and from working together, I felt very empowered. You gave me tools and understanding that I could go and implement and I didn't feel as though I was going to have to call you for for every little question along the way. So I felt very empowered. And um, so that's good. So that's a good understanding, uh, a good difference between, you know, maybe what you do and maybe what some others do. So how did you come into this? You know, we talked a little bit about the beginning, you know, um, Mm -hmm. kind of some of your background, but why don't you share a little bit more about how you came into helping people in this way? So um, when it first started out, it was literally people coming to my house, um, friends, people coming to my house and um, me just kind of sharing with them the beginnings of this process that I had learned and walk them through it. And then eventually I ended up um, meeting with somebody that was running, um, a gentleman that was running a uh, men's group. And this men's group, I forget what the numbers were, but there was a couple hundred men that were dealing with um, sexual addiction and sexual purity and trying to walk through that. And after meeting with him, he kind of was like, wow, this is like, this is this shame and this covering up and this being in your triggered self is a huge component of sexual addiction. And so he asked me if I'd meet with, you know, all the men in his group, but I was kind of like, oh, I don't know (laughs) exactly because I was just starting out. I was still learning my process. I didn't know exactly how, you know, I wanted to, you know, 
do everything. And so I ended up meeting with just the leaders of each of the groups, but that ended up being, you know, quite a few people and then word of mouth from them. I've never advertised or anything like that. It's always been word of mouth of just people's lives being impacted. And then they tell somebody or they, or someone sees their life being impacted and they tell someone and so on. And so it's just led to being, um, so that was kind of like the, you know, diving board of kind of jumping into it. And then from there, that first year, I ended up speaking 12 different times and it was really interesting to get that many different invitations. And one of the really interesting things about um, the groups I spoke to is I spoke in that, um, in those 12 times I spoke, I spoke to men, of course, because that's one of the um, places I started out with. But I also spoke to a, like an older woman's group, a younger woman's group. Um, I spoke at a school. I spoke, um, so I was speaking to ch- kids. Um, I spoke to, um, sorry, it's been a while now. <laughs> it's been seven or eight years, but I spoke to uh, schools and different um, with like teenagers, college age students. And one of the interesting thing about that is, is every single group that I impacted, and it was so many different types of groups, was um, each group had the same impact as the other group where a lot of messages or a lot of things can be kind of gender biased or they can be, um, you know, age, age biased, or they can not even bias, but they can be emphasizing so that a certain age or a certain gender or a certain group of people will be more comfortable with it than another group. But it was really adaptive to all people. That's cool. I would, I would agree from the times that I've spent with you and the different groups that I've been with in the end when you spoke. Yeah, definitely. There's a wide, wide range and, and I think as a guy, sometimes when I think of emotional health and especially the way I was raised, that this was more of a, a feminine thing. So I had a lot to learn yeah. that emotions are not uh, gender specific. Um, no, men they're are, definitely not. Men are every bit as emotional. And I think it's just the way we've been trained. Men have probably exactly. been more trained yeah. to compartmentalize and press it down. Yeah. And on a practical level, I started out in coffee shops because like I said, I was meeting in my home, but then I didn't really want to invite people I didn't know into my home because we first started out with just friends of friends and then it went to people that I didn't know. And I'd be in coffee shops with grown men and they would be snot crying in a coffee shop and you'd think like they would be embarrassed or they wouldn't, you know, we live in a small, big town where a lot of people know people, but I think the impact of what I was sharing with people and the processes walking through, they didn't even care. They would just be completely, you know, weeping in a coffee shop. And thankfully for them and for future people like yourself, I did end up getting an office and I started out doing two days a week. Then I went to three days a week and then I went full time. And so it definitely was an evolving process that didn't just start out with, I'm going to become a life consultant and meet with hundreds and hundreds of people. It started out really small and it just grew from there. Very good. Cool. Well, why don't you share a little bit of the foundation of your consulting approach? When like when somebody first walks into your office, mm-hmm. kind of where, where do you begin? So if you were to first come into my office and sit across from me, one of the main things I start with is you don't need to be fixed. Everyone that's coming in, not everyone, majority of people that are coming in are coming in because they have a problem that they need to be fixed. But even more so, if you kind of dig into it a little bit, it's not just they have a problem that needs to be fixed. In some ways, they believe they are the problem in that area and they need to be fixed and you don't need to be changed. My belief in this process is that you're covered up that we all have pain and we have unmet need that covers us up and doesn't allow us to be able to be who we truly are. So instead of trying to fix the external circumstances or the symptoms that cause us to come in to meet with me, I end up focusing on who are you and being able to help bring that out and, and then 
from who you are, what is your pain? What is your need? What is causing you to trigger that we want to uncover and explore so that you can reconnect with yourself? Absolutely. Yeah, I can, I can relate to that because when I came in, I felt very broken and, yeah. and that reinforces shame when we feel that. Yep, it and, definitely does. Cause shame says what you do is who you are. And so it makes you feel like whatever is going on in your life that you're doing is a reflection of you being broken, needing to be fixed. Something's wrong with you and there's nothing wrong with you. So you are, you are a believer, you are a Christian. So, um, but obviously you don't work exclusively with, with Christian people. So, um, but why don't you just share a little bit of kind of like your faith behind it and kind of what God has revealed to you kind of along the way that was found is very foundational as well to help you with your approach with all people. And that is an emphasis that I have that if you're listening and you're not a Christian, this is by no means going to disqualify you from getting a lot out of this podcast. I've worked um, as as effectively, sometimes even more effectively with non-religious people because there's an openness there that sometimes isn't there when you're in a religious mindset. And so I'm a huge fan of um, Christianity and God and you know that whole religion, but I'm also love to have people from all different belief systems to, um, working with them. So um, um, yeah, but from a religious point, because I do believe in God and God is a center of this process. Um, when I first started this process, like I said before, it was centered around shame. And really what God showed me is he said, shame is the root of everything. And it didn't really make sense because I didn't understand what shame was and I didn't understand how it worked in our life. But once I started to unpack that, and I think we'll probably end up getting into that later on in more detail. But once I connected with shame, I realized that we are so um, connected to what we do or don't do in religion that it keeps us from being able to be what I would say back in the garden, like Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve didn't have good or evil. They didn't know shame. And so what would happen is they would just be with God and God would just be with them. And as far as reconnecting with God in this process, that's my goal to help people do that. And one of the main things that keeps people from connecting with God, whether you're um, religious or non-religious, is um, the representations we've had of our caregivers, of how our moms and our dads were able to be there for us is going to show us and keep and potentially keep us from being able to connect with God. And so God is definitely going to be woven into this whole process. But first, we have to reestablish certain you know, truths about who we are and certain truths about um, our story and our upbringing as well. So we'll kind of see that weave through it later on, but definitely is a core of, um, of the process I want people, I have people walk through. And that is what I really, what I really enjoyed about it. It was um, the faith-based aspect was very, something I could really connect with very easily. Yeah. And, but what I also liked is that you were able to intertwine science and yeah. oftentimes in the faith community, they, people look at science and faith as being opposed, but, um, but that is not the case at all. So why don't you just talk a little bit about the scientific um, side of, of your approach and kind of what yeah. you've learned through your studies in that area. As I was studying how, um, what shame is and how it works in our life, I was also, I read about seven books on the brain during that same time. And 
to be honest, I actually didn't know that they were uh, connecting. I just was really intrigued by how shame affects us. And then I was really intrigued by the brain. And then as I was reading um, and just getting revelations of those different things, they started to kind of merge together. And then I started recognizing how much um, shame plays into how our brain wires and how it shuts down and how it triggers. And so one of the biggest kind of, if I have to simplify, because if you get into brain study, it gets very complicated and it gets very you know, huge words that we start to lose kind of the basic concept of how our brains work. So really in a nutshell, when we are shut down because of pain and because of unmet need, our brain actually goes into a fight or flight and our amygdala is engaged and it causes us to shut down our sophisticated adult brain. And that's why a lot of people um, get stuck even when they're reaching out for counseling or therapy or different types of help because they don't realize that they're in a triggered state and that their brain is actually um, causing a fight or flight um, reaction. And so what I would help people do is recognize how is your brain working right now? They'd say, well, I'm just freaking out right now. And I'm like, you are not freaking out. You have a sophisticated brain that's developed and can reason and think and strategize and have solutions and options. But when you're in a triggered state, when your brain is in the amygdala and in that fight or flight, you aren't able to access that part of your brain. So really being able to differentiate on a neurological scientific level, the difference between how our brain is when we're triggered and how our brain is when we're in our true self. And we will be unpacking so much of more of that yeah. in, in future Yeah, I know it kind of is a little bit hard because I'm like pressing on it. I'm like, yeah. like, oh, I could go off in this direction. I could go off in this direction, but we're just interjecting. We're doing an introduction. But believe me, this, like I said, this is a journey. You're, we're not going to learn it all in uh, in one episode for sure. And um, But I would like to ask one other question. And that question is, is there any consistency to the type of problems or people that you meet with face? So I would actually say that, I mean, going back to how I started out when I was speaking to so many different genres of groups of people, um, is this impacts all people. Um, I've had people that are successful businessmen coming in. I've had people that are religious leaders. I've had um, people that are um, stay-at-home moms. I've had, you know, children. You know, I've worked with um, at in schools and taught kids for years, and seeing all those different types of people. This the similarity or the consistent thing that I see is all people experience pain, and all people have unmet need and the process, which is the compassion method of being able to help people connect with that pain and connect with that need is consistent with every person I've met with or spoken to. Yeah. I think it's, it's part of that shared part of the human experience. And the fun thing that I've learned is I've learned more about emotional health. What a wonderful on-ramp it is to just connect with people, people of all walks of life, because we all go through these things and Anybody that says they don't is like I was before I had my great awakening. I was just, I was just ignorant. I was just unaware. I didn't know what I didn't know. And yeah, um, exactly. I love that statement. You didn't know what you didn't know. So there's no shame in what you didn't know. And to throw this out there too, um, before I started this process of learning about emotional health and learning about how our brain worked with emotional health, I was very much more logical. And I think maybe that might've been a little bit of my success with working with men in the beginning as I was actually coming from a logical place. And so when I would explain this process, I didn't explain it with a lot of emotional flair. I did a lot more matter of fact, the brain science, you know, the step-by-step process of it. And so um, I've actually personally learned a lot over the years of being more emotional than just logical. 
when you first started your consulting practice to today, um, you've probably made some changes along the way or learned some things that you've incorporated. Just could you just share a little bit about that? So kind of ironically, because usually the differences you made along the way are going to be like kind of those things that you're like, oh, that's how you learned and how you grew. And believe me, I've definitely learned and grown along this process. But one of the things that's made this process so um, uniquely, I guess you'd say my process is that when I first started out, I wanted to learn um, from other people as well, not just like brain science, not just the revelations I was getting, but I actually felt like, um, you know, oh, this is great. You know, there was uh, different people that were coming out with like really amazing stuff on shame. And I was like, oh, great. I'm going to study this. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be perfect. But one of the things that um, God ultimately, because he was um, showing me the process in the very beginning, he really said, like, I want you to just stay right here in you, in this one space, like don't do anything else. There's lots of other th- great things going on in the world. And even today, there's lots of great things going on in the world. As far as emotional health, it's developed so much. But what I, what I did is I stayed right in the process that I was learning and I would do the exact same thing with every single person. And it would have some moving pieces. So like if you thought of it like six or seven moving pieces that I would move around depending upon where the person was at and what they needed to learn and what they needed to grow in. But I've kept it like right in the same place the whole entire time for the last seven or eight years. The things that have changed is I'm more confident and, you know, in the beginning, when you're first starting out something, I would know that this is exactly what I was supposed to do. And I wasn't supposed to move from it. And I wasn't supposed to incorporate other people's stuff into my process. But you have to trust the process a lot because you're just starting out. And so I've learned to be more confident, to trust the process, to know that from having the experience of literally meeting with hundreds of people, um, having that experience, knowing that this is actually the process that each person has to walk through. So ironically, I haven't changed anything I've more grown in my confidence and, you know, just the ability to be able to apply it more effectively and smoother and more efficiently. Your belief grows over time. Yeah, exactly. So that's definitely grown, but the actual process has stayed the same through the whole entire time. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Um, My last question for today is what do you enjoy most about what you do? Oh, that's a good question. Okay. So before this process, I've always wanted to help people. I've always been kind of a healer, helper to people my whole entire life, even since my childhood. Um, But I tried a lot of things that felt like you had to like manually make them happen. So like if you were like, we're in a habit with something, then you could get free from whatever you felt like you were stuck in. And my favorite thing about this and the thing I enjoy the most is that as you walk this process, your reactions become automatic. So instead of having a situation come up that causes you to trigger and you, and then you have to kind of like mind over matter or will yourself to know what, what did Laura tell me to do? Okay. She told me to do this, you know, in, in the beginning, you know, sometimes there's some repetition there, of course, but as the work goes deeper and deeper into how your brain processes and how your heart is being healed, it ends up becoming a knee jerk reaction, but not a negative reaction, but it actually becomes a knee jerk reaction of how you're going to respond in that situation. So if in the past you had been like trying to have self-control and not be upset with someone, all of a sudden you're just automatically not upset with that person anymore. And that really is my favorite thing about this process for myself personally, but also for what I help people, equip people to do, that they be able to automatically respond in situations in a way that's more of a reflection of who they really are. Yeah. For me personally, for 
when I was able to start to connect with myself and see that I wasn't defined by my behaviors, my level of empathy and compassion for others went up exponentially because I could see the same in them. So when somebody did something that was rather wrong or they wronged me in some way, I could see that there's probably something deeper there. That's not who they really are. They're just hurting. And um, exactly. That's been really powerful. So great. Well, we are out of time for today. So thank you, Laura, for sharing with us and for kind of uh, laying out the future path that we're going to be walking down. So, um, so we will begin to unpack this process in future episodes, the compassion method, and we'll talk more about triggered and true and triggered self and true self. And our ultimate goal is to help people discover their true selves and bring healing to their inner world. So thank you, Laura, and we look forward to next time. Thank you again for joining us for this episode of Triggered and True. We hope that you enjoyed it. As a reminder, if you'd like to ask a question, go to triggeredandtrue.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click ask. And if you would like to learn more about the Compassion Method, be sure to check out the Compassion Method Master Course, which can be purchased at compassionmethod.net. And as a podcast listener, you qualify for a $50 discount, which can be obtained by typing in the coupon code PODCAST50. Again, that's compassionmethod.net, coupon code PODCAST50. Thank you again. Goodbye.